glad all of you are here today. Today we're going to continue uh, our sermon series on the seven signs in the book of John. And these seven signs, it is not all of the miracles that Jesus did, but it is seven particular miracles that Jesus or has John focus on when he writes his book. And we'll see some references to a multitude of other miracles. But the theme passage for our series is John 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Our particular text today is John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Familiar story if you've been around church for any length of time. But I will read the 14 14 verses and then we'll expound them in just a moment. But verse 1 says this, After this Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is also the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign... That he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When they saw the sign, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. I'm going to preach today for just a little bit on this topic. A God who provides. A God who provides. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, God is a provider. Oh, I turn to the neighbor on the other side if you have one and say, God is a provider. We live in a world that is full of poverty. If we look, especially in in other parts of our globe, and and see the 
poverty that is taking place in various places and various third world countries as they would be referred to, not because they are inferior in, in value, but because they, have, they don't have the same amenities that we have. They don't have the same standard of life or the standard of living that we have. I was with a man just the last couple of days who takes numerous trips to the nation of Kenya, missions trips there, and has seen God do many wonderful things. But he was talking about Friday at lunch, he was talking about the poverty of the nation of Kenya and the poverty in the, the, the cities and the villages where they go and preach the gospel. And he was talking uh, about some of the challenges that they face. And he said in, in one, one particular day, they're getting ready to baptize some people in the river. It's the only water source around. It's, uh, it's, I, 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 it's not salt water, but I don't want to call it fresh water either because of the story that I'm getting ready to tell you. But, but what he said is this. He said they're getting ready to baptize these people, and as they look upriver, there is just a little ways upriver, there is a group of people, and they are washing their clothes in the river. You know, it's the only water that they have, but, but just beyond them... There's another group of people who are watering their, their uh, flock of goats in the river. And the goats are not just at the edge of the river drinking. No, the goats are out in the river. And the goats happen to be doing their business. And their business is flowing down the river to where they're washing their clothes. And then they are baptizing people and their stuff floating down the river from the goat herd up above. And, and then to make it even worse, just... Downriver from where they're baptizing people, they are using the water and putting it in their pots to cook with. Poverty and, and not having anything. And, and in our nation, we have homelessness and we have poverty and we have numerous people that are on uh, welfare because they are in under the poverty line. And even in Johnson County, which is very affluent, there are some 25,000 or more people that are uh, under the poverty line and Living, and there are homeless people here in Olathe, as a matter of fact. You don't see them very often, but Mission Southside that I do some work with, they have a whole ministry just to homeless people that come along the railroad tracks over near their headquarters. And they camp in the woods, and they need food, and they need shelter. A world that is in need. So how are we to take those stories and that reality and that truth that poverty is rampant around our world it may not be as rampant here in in the united states of america but it is rampant around our world how do we take that with the title of my message a god who provides we'll address that but the psalmist would say this i have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread I have never seen the people of God do without whenever they are following Jesus and whenever they are following God's way and God's law. I have never seen them forsaken nor his seed or his offspring, his children begging for bread because there is a truth that we will see in this text and throughout the scripture that God takes care of his people. God provides for his people. The context of 
passage that I read, Jesus has left Jerusalem. He has been in Jerusalem, and now he has gone to the north shore of the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. He is near the town or the village of Bethsaida. A large crowd, the Bible says, had followed him because they had seen the signs that he had been doing on the sick. And we've looked at a few signs, and and this sermon series is called The Seven Signs in John. That is a common uh, uh, phraseology. It's a common way of identifying the miracles in the book, uh, in the Gospel of John. But it's not because Jesus only does seven miracles. John alludes to these here. He said they have seen him doing signs of healing people in Jerusalem. He's done numerous miracles, even though we only looked at the one miracle of healing in John chapter 5. That John will talk about numerous signs and numerous miracles, but he focuses just on seven. He fleshes out seven of those miracles and seven of those signs and The text tells us that Passover is approaching. And if you know about Passover, there's preparation that needs to be done. And and not only is there preparation that needs to be done to celebrate this feast, but whatever day Passover falls, it is a Sabbath day. It means that they can't do any work. They can't do any preparation of food. They can't travel. It is is an extra Sabbath day. Passover doesn't necessarily fall on the Sabbath, but... Whatever day it falls, according to the calendar, it's a Sabbath day. And so Jesus knows that all of this is taking place, and he has this large crowd of people. And in that setting, he provides. I would tell you this, that that the purpose of my message today is that you would trust Jesus to provide whatever you need and whenever you need it. That whenever you have a need, that you will believe that God can and God will provide for you. Anybody believe that already? That that whatever you need, whatever trouble you're going through, God has the answer. And whatever difficulty you're going through, He has the solution. And whenever you don't have the money you need, God is a provider. Tell some stories maybe later, but I want to give you seven truths. Now don't get uh, get too uptight about the number seven here. They're going to be short. I'm going to explain them short. I'm not doing 10 minutes on each of these. We're going to get you out of here in a timely manner. But the first truth is this, is that Jesus provides according to his plan. God always has a plan. God's never caught off guard. He's never surprised when you run out of money. He's like, man, I didn't see that coming. I wish I'd have been prepared for that. No, he always has a plan. And I get that from verse 6 where he said, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. That he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to Philip, he's like, hey, what are we going to do about this? He already knew what he was going to do. He already had a plan, but he is testing his disciple to see if his disciple would trust him if his disciple would say something like the prophet would say in the old testament thou knowest lord i don't know but you know he doesn't do that he comes up with his own plan but i understand this is that jesus always has a plan and in this particular case his provision is a test of our faith if you always have plenty 
do you need to trust God? In fact, I would ask you this, if you had plenty all the time and you were never in need, would you even acknowledge that God is the source of that? Or would you think that it's your business prowess and that you're such a great worker and such a great business person or such a great investor? And the answer to that question is, for me at least, if everything's always going good and I have never in my life had need where I've had to go to Jesus and say, Lord, I need something, then I could be tempted with my temperament, my personality, or even my pride, if we could say it that way, that, Hey, look what I have done. Look what I have made. Look at the investments that I have done and look at what they've done. I chose wisely and I got a good job and and I did this and I did that. But when we have need and when we come to a point where we don't have enough, provision becomes a test of our faith. But I would tell you that provision is the desire of Jesus. He, He wants to take care of you. But He wants you to trust Him for what you need. He wants you to come to Him for what you need and to acknowledge that He is the source of everything we have. Not unlike First Chronicles 29, which I read earlier at our offering moment, where David acknowledges, Lord, everything I have is from You. Everything is from You. David can acknowledge that, and David can say that not just because it's true, but because he has lived a life where he's been on the run from Saul. He's been hanging out with the Philistines, acting like he's a lunatic to keep them from killing him. But he's been hanging out with them to keep Saul from killing him. So he's fled from him, and he has had God provide for him, and God protect him. And now when he's king, and he's got all of this wealth, and he's got all this riches, he said, Lord, it's all because of you. None of it's because of me. I didn't call myself to be king. You called me to be king. You are the one who put me in this place, Lord. It is all because of you. Jesus has a plan when we have a need. Jesus has a plan when we are running low on provision. And the reality is he does not need us to help him figure it out. He asked Philip, Philip, what are we going to do? He didn't need Philip's answer. But Philip needed to understand that Jesus could take care of the problem. Jesus already had a plan and he was going to take care of it. The second truth is this. Jesus provides when what we need is beyond our means. Provides when what we need is beyond our means. Philip answered him, that 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little... Lord, I've got, I've got 200 denarii. That's not money. That's not going to do anything. That's, that's just, I never carry cash. I happen to have some cash today. Got to go buy something off Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> He's like, Lord, here's what we got. But there's some 5,000 plus people here. This, this 200 denarii, it's not going to take, it's not going to take care of the need. It's not enough to meet it. We can't get it all done. The reality is this, is that if we can meet our needs, we don't need God to meet our needs. 
But when what we need is beyond what we already have, then God will step in and God will provide and He will work on behalf of His people. So, if you have kids, or maybe you are one, you can relate to this on both sides of the equation. They have a job and they have money, but they want to go out to eat, and then they ask you for money. Anybody ever been there as a parent? Anybody ever done that as a kid? You got a pocket full of money because you don't have any bills. You've been working. Be like, hey, Dad, can I have some money to go out to eat? And, And as a parent... There's some times when I go, yeah, here, here's some money. And there's other times, like, you got your own money. If we're going out to eat, I'll buy your food. If you're going out to eat, you buy your food. So I use that illustration to say this. If we can take care of our needs with what God has already provided, we don't need him to provide now. That we don't need him to come up with some new plan and some new way. Lord, I've, you've given me $10,000 sitting over here in the bank, and I need 100 today. Would you give me a hundred? And he's like, I already gave you ten thousand. Use that. Now he may come up. There may be times we say, "Here's an extra hundred. Let's have at it." Somebody walk up and just give you a hundred. It's not going to be me today. But when we need something that is beyond our ability or beyond our means, beyond what God has already provided, that we can put our confidence in this, is that He is a provider and He will help us and He will provide for us. Anybody ever seen God provide for you? Anybody ever had God just pour out His provision on you when you needed something? And they didn't have nothing. It wasn't zero. They had a little bit of money. And you know about the five loaves and the two fish, and I'll talk about those in a minute. They had a little bit. And God, who created the world, the Bible says, out of nothing. The the Latin phrase that they would use for that is ex nihilo. That he just speaks the world into existence out of nothing. He usually doesn't do that the rest of the Bible. He began it all, but now he's put it all in place. And now he provides by taking what we have and using it. When the prophet comes in 1 Kings 17 to the widow who is getting ready to die. It's in the middle of a famine. In the middle of everything is running out. And the prophet says to her, you got anything? I got enough meal and enough oil for one cake. And the prophet has the audacity Ask her to, well, go ahead and make that one cake and you give it to me. She makes the cake. She gives it to the prophet. And then her meal and her oil don't run out. And the Bible says that the widow and her son and the prophet ate throughout the rest of the famine Because she was willing to take what little she already had. That little bit of meal and that little bit of oil that God had already provided and she gave it. But it was beyond their means. She couldn't do it, but it's just one more cake. That's all I've got. Just a little bit. Sometimes God will take what we have and he uses it for the miraculous. He provides when we have a little bit, but we don't have enough. 
The third truth is this, is that Jesus provides when we surrender what we have to him. Verse 9, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? The text doesn't tell us how this came about. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't, it doesn't tell us how the disciple came to know that there's a little boy with five loaves and two fish and among this old, this great crowd. If it was a crowd this size and you're pulling out your paper bag, I'd be like, hey, what do you got over there? But it's 5,000 men, not counting women and children. I don't know how they find, I don't know how he finds out. Maybe they go around, anybody got food? What are we going to do? Anybody got something you can share with your neighbor? Somehow this little boy, he comes forward and he's got his five loaves and his two fish. He had come with his own lunch. We don't know his name. We don't know anything else about him. This is the only reference that we have. He was prepared and nobody else was. But he surrendered the little that he had to Jesus. I'm willing to give up what I have so that others can be blessed and that others can be fed. There is no previous miracle of Jesus multiplying food. We have another story of him feeding the 4,000, but it's after this. There's no history of the the little boy has no idea. Well, you know, yeah, Jesus just fed fed 10,000 yesterday. No big deal. He just took somebody else's lunch. There's no story of that. All he knows is Jesus is looking for what he has. And he's willing to surrender it to Jesus to let him take it and use it however Jesus wants to. And maybe he's even willing. He doesn't know what he's going to do. Maybe he just thinks Jesus is hungry. Jesus, I'll let you eat. I've come to listen to you teach. And if you're hungry, I'll give you what I've got. If I could tell, say this to you, we need to be willing to surrender everything in our lives to Jesus Christ. Everything we are and everything we have to surrender it to Him. The primary thing that Jesus wants is for us to surrender ourselves to Him. There can only be one King in your life. And if you're King of your life, then Jesus can't be King. If you're sitting on the throne of your life, Jesus can't sit there. There's only room for one person on the throne of your life. And it has to be Jesus. And if we put Him first in our life and we put Him on the throne of our life, there is nothing that He will not do on our As I hurry, the fourth truth is this. Jesus provides for those who follow Him. Verses 10 and 11 have a unique story to tell that, to be honest with you, I I just saw as I 
was reading this. I shared this with a friend of mine yesterday, and he'd asked me what I was preaching today, and I told him and walked him through the various things that I was going to say. And his response to me when I pointed this out was, man, I've never seen that. Well, I'd never seen it either until this week. I've read it, but reading it and seeing it and reading it and understanding it or reading it and paying attention to it, that's, that's a different story. But he says this, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. So what stood out to me is this. I, I knew and could have told you just reciting the story that Jesus told them to sit down. But the text doesn't stop there, but it references their, them sitting two additional times. He tells them to sit down, and then it says that they sat down. And then he gives the food to those who were seated. Why does he need to tell us this again? I think it is because of this truth Jesus provides for those who follow him. I reference the psalmist, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Those are people who are following God. The righteous are those who are in relationship with the God of the universe. The the righteous are those who are doing what God wants. The righteous are those who are following God. And in our present day, when we know the revelation of his name, the righteous today are those who are following Jesus. Tell them to sit down. I I would surmise that in that great crowd of multiple thousands of people, not everybody sat down. I, I I would imagine that in that big crowd of people that some could say it could be up to 20,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children. In that large crowd, there are some who's like, Man, I ain't hanging out here. What am I sitting down? I'm hungry. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going on a journey to find the nearest place to get some food. I'm going to the nearest village where I can buy something. But those who listen to Jesus and those who sat down When he said, have them seated. The text says it is those who got the food. Jesus provides for those who follow him. They got all the bread that they could eat and all the the fish that they could eat. They got stuff. All that they could handle. The implication is clear that Jesus can provide for everyone, but only those who obey Him 
can be assured of His provision. Only those who follow Him can be assured that He's going to work on their behalf. Only those who are in relationship with Him and listening to His voice can be assured that He is going to take care of them. He can do it for everybody. And sometimes He does it for those who don't follow Him, but He does it so that they will then follow Him because He has provided for Him. And you and I cannot expect Jesus to provide for us if we walk in disobedience to His Word and to His plan. If I'm living in sin, I can't expect Jesus to bail me out of every situation I get myself in. If I'm rejecting His commands, I can't expect Him to provide when I have need. I can't expect Him to heal me when I have sickness it's not that you have to live perfect but he will follow, he will do work on your behalf no but you have to be in a relationship with him and you have to be seeking to follow him and attempting to be doing what he wants you to do you have to have a heart after him fifthly jesus provides with purpose When they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing be lost. Understand that his provision was for that moment. People have speculated how he does this miracle. I I think the The clearest understanding is something we can see in the text when he says that he had blessed the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to those who are seated. I don't think Jesus is sitting there for hours continuing to tear chunks of bread off for some 20,000 people. He blesses the bread. He breaks it and then he hands it to people. And as they tear off their own, it just keeps growing back and keeps multiplying. And it passes throughout the crowd. And when they get to the end and they have stopped breaking the bread, maybe it's because it's now miracle bread. Maybe that if they leave it out there and somebody else comes along, they pick it up, it'll keep multiplying. I don't don't know if that's the case, but, but what I do know is this. He said, when Jesus provides today, He's providing for today. I can't count on wasting His provision and then say, oh yeah, now I need something else tomorrow, Lord. If God provides money for me today and I waste it on frivolous things, I can't obligate Him to Yeah, Lord, I wasted what you gave me, but hey, would you give me some more? I'm going to keep wasting it. You just keep giving me all I want so I can. He's not in the business of providing our wants. He is in the business of providing our needs. Today, they're in the wilderness. Today, they're out there. There's no food and there's nowhere to get it. So today, he provides the miracle. But tomorrow, they're going to be at their house. Tomorrow, they're going to be back where they have food. It's not like, that's just... Let's just expect Him to follow us and take care of us everywhere we go. He's already provided that, but today it's a unique situation, and so now He provides in that moment. 
He provides with purpose. And specifically, he says, I don't want anything to be wasted. The disciples clearly didn't understand even what Jesus was doing. Mark would later say this in the Gospel of Mark, that the disciples did not understand the meaning of the miracle of the loaves. They didn't grasp everything they needed to understand about what Jesus had done. And and in fact, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus himself would, would say to his disciples, how is it that you do not understand the miracle of the loaves? Ultimately, his provision is for a purpose, and that purpose is this. It is to prove that he is God. It is to prove that he has the power to provide. It is to to prove that he loves us and he cares for us, and so he gives us what we need, not just what we want. As I hurry, number six, Jesus provides abundantly. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Some 20,000 people or so maybe have eaten and now there's 12 baskets full. They go around and they gather it all up. And it's 12 baskets. I'm sure the 12 might have some significance. Some say, well, it's one basket for each of the apostles that are there. And they got them a basket for the next day. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I would tell you that he doesn't provide halfway. He provides abundantly. That when God provides, he doesn't come up short. That if you need $100, he doesn't say, well, here's 20, man. That's all I can do today. Good luck on getting the rest. If you need 100, he'll get you 100. If you need 1,000, he'll get you 1,000. He didn't say, well, that's all I got. I'm tapped out. Pulling out another receipt. I got too many receipts. You need a thousand. Here's a hundred. Good luck with the other nine. Go see somebody else. But when he provides, he provides abundantly. He doesn't do it halfway. Anybody ever seen buildings? You pass by buildings. There's an apartment complex on the east side of Blue Springs that we pass every time we go to St. Louis. Unfinished. The frame is all up and the wood is now gray and weathered because it's been sitting there for years now, unfinished. It's somewhere along the journey that the people who were putting up the apartment complex, they ran out of money. They couldn't finish the task. They couldn't finish the job. And so now there's just the weathered shells of apartment buildings sitting there. When God is involved, He never leaves unfinished business. He always provides everything that we need. It may come through multiple means and multiple channels and multiple ways that it comes to us. But if He is in the business of providing and and He is on the job of providing in that situation, He will provide everything you need and then some. challenge for us is to manage what he has provided i'll tell i would tell this story and i gotta hurry when i was at gateway college of evangelism as campus pastor and then vice president there were dozens 
or more <laughs> students over my 14 years there. And my time as a student, some 17 years that I was there, where I, I would see that God had called them there. He had called them to ministry. He had called them to prepare for the, the ministry that He wanted them to do. And he would provide the finances for them. But every year, multiple students every year would have to go home because they ran out of money. And in most of those cases, it wasn't because the provision had not been there. It was that what they had done with God's provision was not His intended purpose. We'd have Christmas banquets and people that couldn't pay their school bill, they're buying new clothes and they're going all out. And then three weeks later, they can't pay their bill and they're like, you, you got to go home. They had the money, but they chose to spend it on something else. When I got my first cell phone, I don't think there was a student there who didn't have a cell phone. Well, I don't have money for a cell phone, so I'm going to get a cell phone. They had cell phones. They couldn't pay their bills, but they had cell phones. Did Jesus not provide? No, he, he provided. They just didn't prioritize his provision, and they didn't manage it correctly. And so... If you get into a situation, you're like, God, where's my provision? You haven't, you haven't provided to be open and say, Lord, help me to understand if you have provided already and I've wasted it or I've blown it. And if you realize you've done that, Lord, help me not to do this again. Would you bail me out one more time? And I will follow your principles and your plan. Last, last point. Jesus provides because he is God. He's also good, but that's not a misprint. He provides because he is God. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. What they recognized was this, that he could take that five loaves and two fish and he could multiply it and he could feed some 5,000 men plus women and children and that proved to them that he was indeed the Messiah that they had been looking for. It, it proved to them that that was indeed the Messiah that the Scriptures had prophesied. It is the prophet that is to come. That's why the story's here to prove that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is the God of the universe, that he is the one who saves. He has taken what they have given and He has multiplied it and He has provided for them. He is the Jehovah Jireh of the Old Testament. Of Genesis 22, that first time we see that when, when Abraham is getting ready to offer Isaac and he says, God will provide. He is Jehovah Jireh. You've heard me talk about that before. That Jesus proves that He is the provider. He's that same one in the Old Testament. This is not the first time that God has provided food in the wilderness. 
book of Exodus, as they are going through the wilderness and they have no food, God provides manna. He provides bread from heaven. And Jesus, tapping into what had been done in that Old Testament, provides bread in the wilderness, proving that He's the same God of the Old Testament. Proving that he's the same one who can provide for them today as he was providing for them some 2,000 years prior. Jesus demonstrates his deity. It is the purpose of John's story. It is the purpose of him highlighting this story as one of his seven signs. Because all of the signs are to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. But that by believing, we would have life through his John glosses over numerous miracles of healing at the beginning of that chapter. We just said they were there because they had seen all the signs of healings that he did in Jerusalem. John doesn't articulate that. He doesn't delineate and just lay them all out and say he did this miracle and this miracle. and this. No, he just glosses over. He's been doing all these signs, so now they followed him. But now we've already seen that miracle of healing. Now I want to prove that he is that same God who provided in the wilderness. He can do it again. In the present. Paul would write in Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours. According to his riches in glory. Every need of yours. That the God who owns the cattle of a thousand hills who owns the hills also will provide every need of yours according to his riches anybody thankful that we have a god who provides i I would dare say that in this room even in this moment there are people who need god's provision that whether it's a new job or any job whether it's a raise on your job, whether it's whatever you can come up with, whether it's just I need him to provide for this extra expense that I don't need a raise on my job, I just need this one-time thing for God to take care of. We have the assurance and the promise that he is a God who provides every need of ours. According to his riches in glory. So I have preached this message to you today to convince you if you are not convinced. That you can trust him for every need. At every moment. That he is not in the business of providing the needs for some of his people some of the time but he is in the business of providing for all of his people all of the time it may not be in the way in which we anticipate it may not be in the exact time that we anticipate but he is a God who provides he provides according to his plan he provides when what we need is beyond our means 
He provides when we surrender what we have to Him. He provides for those who follow Him. He provides with purpose. He provides abundantly. And He provides because He can, because He's God. The ultimate provision that we can expect from Him is that of salvation. That regardless of how much wealth we have or how much material goods we have, how nice of a vehicle that we drive, how nice of a house that we live in, all of that pales in comparison to our ultimate need, which is salvation. That ultimately, nothing else matters if we're not saved. That if we're not on our way to heaven, if our eternal destiny is not assured, nothing else really matters. If you die rich and go to hell, what good has it been? If you die with a great house and multiple cars in your driveway and you spend an eternity away from Jesus, what does it really matter? Because the reality is we're not living for this moment. We're not living for this, but we are living for eternity. And because we can't get there on our own and because we can't make it to that place called heaven, He has provided the means to get there. It is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is through taking what Jesus Christ did after living a perfect and sinless life and dying on the cross and being buried and then raising Himself on the third day. That When we take that and we apply it to our lives through repentance and through baptism in the name of Jesus in water and through the infilling of His Spirit, He provides salvation that we can't do for ourselves that we can't achieve on our own and so today if you haven't experienced that you can't experience it just looking around i would say that the majority in this room you have experienced that new birth of being filled with the spirit evidence and speaking in other tongues and you've had your sins washed away in the waters of baptism but if you haven't done that More than anything else, it is what God wants to provide. But if you have experienced that, it is a time for us to be thankful and grateful and to express our gratitude to Him because of what He has done in our lives. And if by chance you need material provision or you need a job, you need something else he's here to provide that as well would you stand together with me and would you just where you are would you lift your voices and your hands and your hearts to the lord and would you express your gratitude for his provision of salvation would you express your gratitude for the times that he has provided for you in the past and the times that he has met the needs that you couldn't meet for yourself when he has come up with the resources Lord, we thank you because you are 
the God who provides everything that we need. You are the God who has given us, Lord, beyond our expectations. And you have given us, Lord, beyond our means and beyond, Lord, anything that we can do for ourselves. You have provided for us. Jesus, we thank you today that you have given us everything we need. And that you have provided salvation for us today. God, that you have born, have, have caused us to be born of the Spirit. And you have caused us to be born again of water and of the Spirit. And you have taken away our sin. And you have, Lord, washed away our sins in the waters of baptism. Lord, we thank you today for who you are, for your goodness, for your greatness.